Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sane, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. Well, 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 here we are again. It's another week, another opportunity for us to shine and focus on one another. And today's episode, we are talking to celebrity doula, Latham Thomas. Latham is a woman who I've heard about years and years ago. So I've followed her for years. She is a force to be reckoned with, right? And of course, you know that because she's on the show and you know that's that's all that gives me the love and the vibes are women who are just out here creating opportunity and doing big things. But before you go and listen to today's show and get to hear from Latham, I really wanted to dive in deep about health and wellness, especially mental health. Um, You know, here we are months into 2020, eight months in to be exact, right? And it has turned out to be the year that we will never forget. And as we are at home and sheltering in place and trying to develop routines, we need to definitely put our mental health in the forefront. We need to take a moment. We need to breathe. We need to pay attention to posts that friends are posting. I have seen friends who are definitely stoic posting things about their mental health and their need for coaches and understanding at this time. People, basically, this is one of those moments that I always like to say our slips are showing, right? If you're old school, if you ever wore a slip under a dress, then you know what I'm talking about. It's one of those things. It's like having to run in your pantyhose or, you know, your bra strap is showing. It's something kind of just like out of order with your polished look, the thing that you normally show the world. And I think right now it's very important that we begin to give ourselves permission to not run and fix that slip because that might be the one day that you need to just not care about that slip showing. And we need to give people grace uh, on deadlines. We need to give people grace on uh, their responses and our expectations really need to be measured because mental health right now is definitely something that is and will always deserve the attention and our steadfastness with actually put, making it a priority. Um, especially with kids going back to school, parents are spread very thin. Y'all, I am blessed enough to be still married and here with my husband and even for us our daughter doing homeschool is a challenge. So I immediately have been sending good vibes and prayers to all the single parents that I know because navigating, no matter what grade your child is in, this is more stress than their normal, often full plate. So give some grace to your friends who are single parents if you're not one. Why don't you volunteer to bring them food one night so they don't have to cook or take the kids for them for afternoon. Anything you can do to help them prolong their mental health and make sure those children are getting the best side of their parents that they can possibly get, I'm sure would be greatly appreciated. Um, I I wanted to talk about that today because 
I, you know, I'm trying to navigate and I had a moment last week, so I can about imagine what other folks are going through, right? And I'm just getting started. I'm in the thick of it. I had a kindergartner. And so what we're doing on the computer is probably nothing compared to those with third, fourth, fifth in high school and junior high kids and still having to work and navigate. Y'all, we've been eating out way too much because my work schedule and trying to still, you know, get folks in bed on time. It's tough. So give some grace to those people you love you know in other world news we now know who joe biden has chosen to be his running mate right she's masora kamala harris uh some people say kamala some people say kamala you know but you guys know who i'm talking about and i know i saw my timeline just you know i had to take a break from social media for a couple of days because i was so over all the judgment on everybody's side i've been over it i've been over it it's just this is the worst Oh, race that I've seen in my lifetime with the mudslinging and the ridiculous remarks from everybody. Everybody needs a timeout, in my opinion. Every stinking body with all of their ridiculous, the ridiculous comments and the ridiculous things coming out of their mouth. Uh, we're talking about our pantsuit. I just want to know, regardless if the Democrat or Republican, whatever, why is it as soon as a woman is nominated, we're talking about how she dresses? No one gives a damn about what suit a person running for president is wearing. When Hillary was running, it was the suits. It was always the suits. Guys, who gives a damn? I don't care. I kind of don't want my leader uh, of the free world to be worried about their fashion. That's what we have people for, right? Some stylist out there who wants to win, why don't y'all slide in Kamala's people's DMs and give her all the looks, call all the designers, but I could give a shit less about what she's going to be wearing. What I care about is these schools about my child's health, about my health, about our benefits as far as social security, as far as freedoms, social unrest here in the African-American community. I care about those things. So I don't care if she wears her freaking pajamas every day, if that's what it takes, because we're doing it. We're working from home, right? My roots are always needed to be done these last eight months, right? I don't care about that. Let's do, let's as women band together to shut those conversations down, unfollow, silence, all those people who are caring about these things. What I care about is what matters. And here's the thing, as a political science person with a political science degree, I can tell you right now, there's nothing new under the sun. That no matter how you feel about who's in office or who's trying to aim for office, guess what? A politician is a politician is a politician. And no matter what they, their platform is and what they do, they are gonna owe favors when they take the office. Our job and our concern as citizens who vote, who have power, is to try to, one, raise money for them so they don't owe as many favors, right? So they, they, they do have a ground to stand on so they can get in front of people. It's also to stay active outside of the campaign. So after November, whoever wins office, to make sure we keep our foot on their neck so that they don't continue to allow the foolery that's going on to continue to keep our foot on the neck of people who haven't arrested the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor, to continue to keep our foot on the neck of the people who are not doing what needs to be done for this world, for our environment, for our children, and for our communities, right? To stop this social unrest and to continue to be a voice. I hope that people are being motivated, right? To go to city council meetings, to vote for their city council, to vote for their congressman and their state senate, because that's the real power. The president only has so much power. And I hate to say this, not even hate, this is just the truth. And this is why I'm a, I don't know what the hell is gonna happen come November. Because history tells us that it is extremely difficult 
to unseat a seated president. It is very rare that a seated president is not reelected. No one wants to hear it. I'm the bad guy for saying it, but it's freaking true. Do I want Donald Trump to be president another four years? Hell no, I don't. Do I want Joe Biden for president? Nope. But you know what? We don't have much of a choice. It's one of those two. Pick one. And whoever you pick, stand firm in your decision. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. That's your personal decision. This is not a political podcast, you know. But what it is, is one about women. And I've said it from day one, that us women better take control. And we can do a whole lot locally. We can do a whole lot within our community right now because we do possess the power and the juice. I watched a beautiful documentary about Thurgood Marshall entitled Mr. Civil Rights on Amazon with my husband the other night. And I strongly recommend you all watch it because it gave me extreme perspective about the odds that we're against and the turmoil that I'm feeling. And my turmoil pales in comparison to the folks who were coming up during the time when Thurgood was out there uh, basically helping build the NAACP. It reminded me of why we needed a national association for the advancement of colored people and why we still need it. It also brought to my attention that we don't have true leaders right now who are pushing forward the movement. We knew that already, but it made it front and center again in my life. And it reminded me that we have to use our voice, which is why I'm on one today <laughs> and I'm on fire. And as you listen to Latham and I, you're gonna understand that when we recorded this, she and I were both weary and I'm back to being weary y'all, but I'm not giving up. I'm weary and I'm pushing on. I'm weary and I'm staying up late and I'm gonna to continue to do my part. And I just hope that you would do your part too, whatever that may be. I hope that you remember that in November, we're voting for more than just the president. I hope that we begin to do research. I hope that we are all registered and we are encouraging the people we love to be registered to vote. And I hope that we are calling people out when they say things that are inappropriate, not just about black people, but about anyone. We all have biases. We all have said something that we should not have said that could be pulled up in a tweet, that could be pulled up in an old interview or an old conversation. All I can hope is that we're growing and we're realizing what it feels like to be on the other side of discrimination and what it feels like to have someone saying those ugly things with you in mind based on a blanket statement and their nasty, sick thoughts. So, as we progress and as we begin to get in the thick of this campaign and the thick of what is to come, I want you guys to check on your strong friends, to check on your single parents, to check on your parents, to check on those single friends who live alone because people are hurting themselves. Suicide attempts and suicide rates have increased substantially during COVID. Don't forget about the big picture. Don't forget about what matters. Check on those parents because we don't want to traumatize our children. These are the folks who are going to lead us into whatever our future is. And we don't need all of them having PTSD after COVID. So this is the time for you aunties and uncles and godmothers to step up step in, go pick those kids up and help our community and help your pregnant friends as they navigate and get over the fears of having a baby during COVID and have them listen to this episode and hear Latham and follow Latham as she talks about being a doula and the importance of the energy that we birth children into. So enjoy today's show.
Hey y'all, welcome back to the show. Today's guest is a woman you've probably seen in your timeline a time or two, or probably even on TV. She's the author of On Your Own Glow, uh, which is a book that she created. And it basically talks about her platform and her mission in life, which is to help women create and curate the past, their past to greatness. Uh, she's a celebrity doula and a maternity expert. Help me welcome to the show, Miss Latham Thomas. Hey, Latham. Hey, Amira. How you doing? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm at a loss for words these days. I'm like, do I say how I'm really feeling or do I say the, you know, the generic? I'm mm. doing okay. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm excited to have you. You know, uh, I'm a fan I for a few reasons. One, because you're Zen. I love Zen. And, <laughs> you know, when I first saw you years ago, I don't even remember what show it was on. I feel like it was on a reality TV show uh, a long time ago. Um, and I remember thinking, see, she gets it. And, and I love the fact that you were unapologetically being this melanin rich, Nubian goddess, <laughs> helping women birth these babies and doing it in, in just a chic, classy way, you know, so love it. Happy to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I love hearing that when people are, you know, connected to the work from, from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you don't, the cool thing at the time to me was like, we don't get to see that. Like, mm-hmm. I know you're not the only black doula, right? I know mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what we see. And people have a lot of preconceived notions and I'm sure you battle them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but representation does matter. Let's be real. Like, you know, okay. and, and it, it's, it's been great seeing you and watching your journey. And before I go into deep, there was a podcast you did and forgive me, I'm going to forget whose show it was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you talked about your grandma. Mm. And um, that you talked about her passing and being present and that journey. And oh my gosh, I just cried because I missed my granny so much when I heard you talk about yours. And I knew I already liked you, but the way you articulated that experience, it just, um, you know, it just felt like home. So Mm. um, thank you for sharing that. And it's just the vulnerability that you continue to give and still stay true to yourself. Uh, it's great. And, and I, and I think one of the biggest things I think we're challenged with right now is people who have influence is to represent for the people who follow us, let them know how we truly feel mm-hmm. so that they know that if you follow me and if you believe in me and you see I'm in pain, then, you know, this is real. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Thank you. Well, I just got chills when you brought up grannies, right? Because yeah. yeah, like our, our ancestors are among us and I, I, I talk to my granny like every day, every day. It's like, I talk to her. I'm like, should I wear this? Which I do, you know? Um, and yeah, I talk to her like I talk to God. And I, I just, I appreciate that you brought that up because um, what a beautiful way to um, invoke the beginning uh, of a conversation is to acknowledge our ancestors and those who come before us and who um, made it possible for us to be here. And for me to even, you know, when you talk about this book too, it's like, the first copy that I had gotten um, that before my grandmother passed away, I gave to her and I signed it, she signed in it. And, um, and she read it while she was in hospice. And um, so to, for it to be coming out in paperback now, you know, like three years after she passed away, which actually was on the beginning of my book tour, 
in the day that I was going into the book tour, she um, transitioned um, to become an ancestor. And, um, and what was so wild was like, I felt like she was with, she just carried me through and she was like a, a Sagittarius. So she loved traveling. And the way that my schedule was with the tour was like on a plane, like I was traveling so much and I knew that I was being powered by my grandmother. I, I was like, I know that the only way, cause I'm a tourist. Like we don't feel like, it's like, I'm happy when we've landed. <laughs> I still don't understand how planes fly. Like I understand science. I'm like, this is just, I'm like, so we're like in the sky, you know? So <laughs> I'm like so happy when we land. And so I knew, I was like, this is, could only be granny because I knew she had to like, just watch and anoint me as I, as I took this journey with this book and stuff. And, um, and I felt her really deeply then. So, so thank you for just bringing her into this space and bringing your granny into the space. You know, I think they both would be proud. Right. I mm. think, um, I think that we are our ancestors wildest dreams and mm. I don't take that lightly. I know you don't. Mm-mm. Um, and you know, it's beautiful. And I wanted to, you know, pay homage to them because the climate that we're in right now, as we're recording, this is different <sighs> and it's something that they experience. So I feel mm-hmm. like we're, I know I'm channeling and that's what keeps me going. You know, I, I kind of, we joked around a little bit and I told you I, every day I'm looking for a silver lining in the day mm-hmm. pushing. Well, when I think about my grandmother, and the South was, I'm in Texas. She grew up, mm. she's from Louisiana. And mm. I know what my grandmother, I watched my grandmother yeah. provide. Yeah. I watched her. And I always tell myself, even before this climate, I'm like, I have no excuses because they did with nothing. It, like, they, you. <laughs> like exactly. they had a dollar out of 15 cents, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. got pennies together. <laughs> when I think about that, it fuels me to keep speaking, to keep challenging the norms, to keep progressing and to keep operating in excellence and demanding that respect uh, because we have the privilege to, of speaking up with, in some ways, I'm not going to say it's, it's where we want it in an idealistic society to be, but in some ways, what they fought for with the first civil rights movement, um, you know, we are standing on their shoulders. We're here on borrowed prayers. So mm-hmm. I acknowledge that now, you know, and I think about your book going to paperback, which is, I mean, it's tremendous. It's, it was a great book. It is a great book. The cover, I loved it. You know, that yeah. it was so pink and hard and, you know, oh, that didn't sound good, <laughs> but it was this, this, this great, uh, this great book and, and all the stories and all the things that you're sharing about, you know, raising your son and, mm. you know, helping women and, and the call. So I, I we got to dive into becoming a doula, number one, not just okay. a celebrity doula. Let's talk about that calling on your soul. Cause that's a true calling to want yes. to constantly witness that, that level of, I guess, I don't even know what to call it. I, that transition, I guess, because they are transitioning in some ways. So let's talk about how you fell in love with it and how you knew that that was a space for you. Yeah. I mean, thank you for just, you know, acknowledging that it is a calling. It's a, it's very different from a passion. And I think that uh, people mix the two up often and a passion is something that, um, you know, you enjoy, you look forward to, it does rev you up, it moves you, but it's also not necessarily fraught with, um, you know, pain points, difficulty, right? It's like, it's like, you know, 
I'm, I'm, you know, daydreaming and doodling, you know, my passion is to like, you know, this sculpture, like what it's like leisurely, you know, like I can be passionate about something that doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, interfere with my life. A calling is outside of your purview of control. You do not get to decide how and, and in what ways you are um, to move. You are showing up to an assignment and your steps are being ordered and you are to be obedient to the call. It is not something that you choose, <laughs> you know? And I feel like a passion is like, I fall, it fell into my lap. It's like this beautiful thing that I get to enjoy and appreciate, you know? I mean, a calling is getting up at three in the morning for somebody that you barely know to witness them transition into new parenthood, right? And, and you know, have to put your baby in a snowsuit and hail a cab because there's no Ubers and move from Harlem and go to Brooklyn in the middle of the night and drop your baby off with, with the paternal grandfather and you know, make sure he has all his snacks and anticipate his needs from the night before so that you can go do this service, right? So, so that's not like something that you're passionate about, right? That's something that you are called yeah. to do, right? Yeah. So, that, so, so thank you for making that distinction because that's a difference, right? Like, like callings are uncomfortable, and, um, but they are necessary. And, and when we decide to answer, it is a it is an act of obedience, really. Like it is you showing up and saying, "Okay, cool. Like work through me. Let me be a channel for this work. Like let please move through me, Spirit." Right. And so, and so in that, um, for me, I knew a few things were going to be part of this experience, and it wasn't something that I had, um, you know, like planned. Like, oh, you know, I'm gonna you know, work with celebrities and this and this. But what I did say very clearly was that I want to help change the culture around this process because people don't really understand what it is. You know, people think that birth is this inconvenient, painful, dirty, uh, you know, event. Um, they don't understand that it is a deeply spiritual, transformative uh write a passage, mm -hmm. um, that it is, uh, that your body, um, is, is this sacred space, um, through which new life comes through the world and that you are born into motherhood, that it is an anointing. It is, uh, it is a blessing. It is a birth is a meditation, you know, just a process of what, like your brain scans are the same as when you're meditating, when you're in labor, right? Oh, wow. It's like, you know, the, the way that the hormones work together and the neurochemicals and, and, and the high that you receive if you're able to do this in a way where you're not disturbed. Um, there's a primal template in place that essentially leads us to a pathway of ultimate fulfillment through ourselves that we become God, right? When we create. And so that is the experience. It's not this, this, it's, it's not meant to be what we've allowed it to become through media, through television, through, you know, people's, um, uh, breaking it down into something like, um, just oversimplified and, uh, focusing on, 
the challenging aspects, but in a really trivial way and not actually celebrating and, and initiating people into really what the process is. And so that's really my interest is to protect this rite of passage, this experience um, for the people who are coming into it. I see it as, as the work of our ancestors. I see it as, uh, I, I think about Harriet Tubman so often as like one of the pillar ancestors who like holds me as I do the work, because I feel like um, that what we are doing is helping people cross a river, right? Oh, wow. We're helping people through safe passage through the night. We're helping people navigate terrain that they have never traveled, right? And to get to safe passage on the other side. And so it is, it is a calling. And so, and so my, my desire if I would say there is a desire, is to have more accessible doulas um, of color, black women, um, specifically because this is our work. And so when, when we do the trainings, what's so powerful is that everybody comes home, right? Black women come home, Latinx women come home, right? White women come and, and they feel home. And, and what they feel is that they, they witness us unearth our power and return home to our bodies in ways that we haven't been able to because of the structural um, racism that we face, because of the systems of white supremacy and how they operate on us and our bodies and our consciousness. Um, these systems that have been operating on us before we were born. And that when we come into this space, that that we're actually seeing ourselves for the first time and in many ways. And so I came to it thinking that I was going to be, you know, serving um, birthing people. And what I come to know now is that uh, these experiences have led me to become a teacher. And so I feel actually um, my most powerful when I am in that position of sharing everything I know. And that's what I believe I'm being called to do is share everything I know. And so, um, and I, and like you said, I don't take it lightly. I, I do see that I have a voice that, um, that people feel uh, soothes and they feel is resonant that they can listen to. And so, um, and so I use that as a way to, um, share the information and make sure that I create a, a container of safety. And you spoke about meditation before we started and that like part of being able to get to a place where you are relaxed enough to sit still and listen to what's on your heart and what's on the universe, right. Happening in the ambient landscape, you have to feel safety. Mm -hmm. And so that is part of my job is like to, to help these women feel safe. And so um, not just the ones who are birthing, but the ones who are birthing themselves through birth work, right? And who are coming to this. And so, yeah, for me, I think um, the reason I came to it, it was, after, it was through resistance because I'm a Taurus, like everything is through my feet dragging, right? I, I knew I was supposed to do it, but it took a long time to get there. And then when I finally answered, it was like, it was like the sky opened up, you know, when I finally answered the call. Um, 
But I think it was really ignited because of my son's birth, which was really beautiful. And, um, and from there, that never left. That feeling, that sensation, that, that awakening never left um, after he was born. And, and so, and I sat with that energy um, until I knew what to do with it. And, and, and when I did know what to do, it was like I was being told. It wasn't like I was being hinted. I was being told. And then I was like, okay. Right. Like I could really no longer put it off. And I know a lot of people say that like, oh, you know, like you'll feel it and like trust your intuition and like God will provide. Like people always say this. Right. But right. but it's true. Like what's, yeah. what, is, what is true is that there are these messages. And and what I know is that each of us has this African ancestral technology that is ignited through our dreams, that is ignited when, you know, when we move in space, when we're with our family, when our girlfriends is ignited when we're doing our practice, like prayer or meditation is ignited when we pour into ourselves. And so for us, like the self-care is a portal for that mm-hmm. to come through. And so we can answer it. And so for me, that's, that's how it showed up. But I, and I know it's real. And I know that, you know, if you haven't had that yet, like as you make the space to be quiet within yourself and listen within your with with to your soul really like that stuff starts to come to the surface but the invitation is today like to show up now right um right and and to kind of to listen to that well i have been one busy lady y'all i have been working on a project and finally it's live as you know, I started Brunch and Slate as an event pop-up series that totally morphed into what it is today. Along the way, I'd work with brands and they'd contact me and say, hey, we want to connect with you. We want to get in front of that audience. And lo and behold, it became a business. Y'all, I have not been very vocal about starting it because I didn't know what the heck I wanted it to be. But I'm here to tell you that BAS Media is here to stay. We are an extension of Brunch and Slay. We're an agency for folks just like you. I have decided that I am going to use all the years of marketing and sales background I have to help small businesses build and win. That's right. BASmedia.net is where you can find out all the information about how we help leverage all that you have as a small business to get you on the right path to become a big business. Everything from building your website to local design, brand audits, and even social media management. All under one umbrella, all at affordable costs and rates because I too am a small business and I know the challenges I had when it came time to find resources, people to help us, and even people to publicize us. And we have it all at one place. Head on over to BASmedia.net. Be inspired. No, I'm so glad you mentioned that because obviously self-care is, is a major priority, especially right now when we are still sheltering in, in place. And one of the huge things about your platform that I love is the fact that you talk about slowing down mm-hmm. um, and intentionality. Those two things resonate so much with me because my life changed when I actively sought to slow down mentally. Mm-hmm. When um I began my meditation journey. It was a lot like everybody else's. I was antsy. I could not, I thought I was, it wasn't for me. I thought I couldn't be still, Mm. but then I started to see little changes internally. 
mm-hmm. um, with my reactions to certain situations, my thoughtfulness. I can't say I had a lot of empathy for people before I started meditating. I was mm-hmm. in my own little bubble and I loved that bubble and I wanted to stay there, you know. Uh, but meditation just turned on something inside my soul that mm-hmm. knowing that I had this direct connection to answers, mm-hmm. to transitioning my mood. Like that's where the intentionality really resonates with me because I, you know, practice segmented intention. So what that means is that, you know, I, even before this interview, I set my intentions. I spoke it into existence. I wanted to have a great talk with you. I wanted just to be me and you and, and, and us to speak about things that benefit the listeners. Right. So Mm -hmm. I set those goals and I set that intention. So, um, that's what segmented intention is pretty much before you do any act. I'm saying this for the listeners. I know, you know, (laughs) um, any time before you do anything, whether it be washing dishes or combing your child's hair, you set what you want to gain from that. Um, and I didn't get to that and arrive to even being patient enough to practice that until after much meditation. Mm-hmm. So when I look at you and this movement and this this the the brand, the person that is Latham, um, I think that you are a magnet. That is your personality. That's why it is your calling. Your magnetism is that Zen, that calmness, that stillness that you radiate. And it, as a culture, I don't know that we had the privilege of knowing to that self-care was a right or knowing that slowing down was a right. So to see someone who is actively not only practicing it, but starting at the beginning and saying, no, we're going to set these intentions with this baby being born into this world. We're going to set these intentions of this experience. That's a lot of responsibility. Mm. That's very uh, heavy, you know? Um, And when I think about that and not only practicing that as a doula, but practicing that as your part and your contribution to society as an influencer and as an author to challenge more folks um, to be intentional. Mm. about their living. Um, let's talk about your journey to intentionality. I'd love to know more about that. Mm. And, and Because that that really, I want, I feel like that's that's a big piece of medicine that if people walk away from this interview knowing that they have that kind of power, man, you yeah. know, it, it's a game changer. Yeah, you know, I think that, um, first of all, thank you for that. And, and just, you know, to remind us that as we show up for everything, right? Like setting that tone, not only prepares the space, right? Um, so that when I come into it, I already know like work was done here, right? But that um, it also, um, it's like it, it stirs into existence, um, you know, the, the coding, right? Of, of what we want to make space for, what we want to become. And, um, and I can also, Feel that right. So it's it's for you, but it's for me, and um, and so I think that that's so important. What you said also about just like that you have the empathy because when you're showing up and you're thinking about like a space that you're inviting people into or whatever you're doing, it's not just for you that you want to protect yourself coming in, but also prepare the space for, for what's to, to be received. And so I love that as a practice for us to all think about like 
whether we're taking a test, whether we're, like you said, doing the dishes. And I love that example because dishes, right? Which <laughs> right. quarantine. It's like, <laughs> a whole lot of that going on. <laughs> didn't I just, right? Didn't I just wash these, right? But yeah, like, I mean, the 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 thing that's so powerful about it is that when you are in that space of doing that work, of being intentional, just even while washing the dishes, like the aha moments come, right? You're allowed to like, oh my gosh, this thing can't, and you're like, you don't even, you looking for the pen and paper because now this opening has happened because you have made space for it. And so I think that it, you know, these, these episodes that people have of clarity become just like their way of life because they are doing this work, right? And so, and so if for, for people who are thinking like, well, what's to be gained, right? By being intentional, that is what's to be gained. It's like there, you become this vessel, you become clear, like answers come more quickly. You know, you ask for, you ask for, you, you petition for something, whether it's through prayer. And then that meditation is my opportunity for you to listen. And then you listen and then what becomes clear for you are the answers and how you move. And so, mm-hmm. so you move differently, right? You, you don't mull over things in the same way that you might've before because you know, you actually know the answer, right? And it's now just applying it because you've, you've sat with the listening. And so I think that's such a powerful thing to share. You know, for me, um, you know, I have always been slow to do stuff. So, um, you know, like if it's time to eat, I'd take the longest to get my food finished. My mother used to make me sit and eat all my food. And I'd be like, you know what I mean? Just like, I'm, I'm tired of this or whatever. I don't want to eat bok choy. Now I love bok choy. Um, but, you know, I like, so I would eat slowly or, you know, she would say, oh, you're so, everything's slow. Like you're a slow poke. Everything, you know, I just would move slow as a kid. Like, and, but I was actually a fast runner. So I'm like, a, I was like a amazing track and field athlete, <laughs> but in life, everything else, I'm just really slow. I take my time. I don't rush through things. And I've always been that person since I was a child. And what I came to understand also about certain things, like I would procrastinate. Right. And so I started to look at like, what are my habits that people tend to say are um, really not positive attributes? Um, one was slowness. And then the other was, um, was procrastination. And the third thing was, um, was kind of like this, uh, not speaking up for myself. And so these are three areas, right. Which were like growing edges for me. And then I started to learn about myself as I grew. And so one with being slow, I realized that like, there's a pace that I'm working at and that the, that that what's happening is that everything takes time and that what I'm tapped into is um, a timeline that is aligned with my ancestors, a timeline that is aligned with God, you know, who's already here, (laughs) who's already on the case. So I don't have to try to do it myself. I can just take my time, you know, a timeline that is aligned with nature. I look at seasons. I watch how long it takes for a baby to grow I'm just used to things taking time. So, so I expand on that to, to say that, well, if, if we look at everything that we care about, that's valuable to us, it all took time, everything, right? So 
why am I trying to rush through this if I want it to be valuable? I want it to be worth something, right? And so, so that's how I settled on that, right? Then I'm going to intentionally move at a pace where I can still breathe, where I can still embrace ease, and I can do it on my time, right? And so that's a choice, right? So I had to make that choice because then I would start to see as I move through life that um, if I didn't anchor in that, then I would otherwise be swept away in what the dominant culture is trying to convince us to do, which is not feminist at all, but is like subliminating our needs to hustle, to do this, to like basically, you know, force ourselves into male work patterns and adopt a way of living that isn't aligned. So that was one thing. Now, procrastination, right? That was another thing. I had to get intentional about, well, what is it that I'm doing by putting things off? Well, I realized too that it was along the, the lines of the slowness that when I was ready, I could actually get it done. And guess what would happen? In that time that I would do that thing, it would be lined up with whatever the circumstances were and it would be the right time. So even though I should have probably emailed this person six months ago, I finally was able to sit down and do whatever it was, or I was supposed to write that essay. I'm finally now able to channel it, right? And so, so I stopped beating myself up about it and started to realize that it's actually like I have to let it move through, right? And so, obviously, there's times where you know I can't like let the energy align when it's time to pay my rent, right? I just have to pay my rent. Right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but but when it comes to like certain things, certain projects, I have to be really keenly aware of like what it's going to take for me to do it and, um, and what's necessary to pour into myself to get it done. And if I don't have those resources, then I can't say yes, right? And so that means that we're not necessarily putting it off and procrastinating. We're actually preserving our spiritual energy, right? And so people don't understand that yeah, like certain things that we have to do that may, we may not be able to delegate are things that actually don't keep us full in our spirit, right? And so, um, and so that's another thing I had to realize of how to create that balance between, you know, uh, getting something done and then and then giving it space before um, it was meant to happen. And the third thing I had to be, uh, you know, look at was I said the, um, you know, the speaking up. And um, Taurus rules the throat, right? And so the voice is like a big piece of sort of my consciousness. Anytime like I am going to get sick or something, I always feel it here, right? I always get a sore throat or my voice goes away. Um, my voice used to go away when I wouldn't speak up for myself. I wouldn't speak my truth. And then I would, I would like lose my voice, right? And it was kind of like a spiritual, I think, a reminder that, that I was meant to um, invoke my voice. And so... Um, I came to do a lot of healing around that. And, um, but I also came to know that like, I have a different way of being than my mother who is spoken, who is outspoken, who is an Aries, who does not bite her tongue for anybody. She don't care who you are. She don't care who you are. Okay. She is telling you all of the truth, right? Reading you up and down and behind and around God's back, right? She is not playing. So, um, and so I came to learn that like, I'm not that person that I have a different approach and that I use my voice differently. And so I don't have to be, um, you know, in the way that my mother is like very hard, very forceful. She has her way. And I realized like, oh, my way is softer. And that I actually have the blessing uh, to be able to change the legacy and actually not move the way she had to. 
And so that is also a gift. And so I had to, again, be intentional around this idea of, of the power of my voice, my own unique voice, and how I would use it in the world. And, and that I didn't have to model after my mother's way or after someone else's way to be seen as um, you know, a black woman who was in her strength. But I also thought about like, well, do I wanna be strong or do I wanna be soft? And, and, and so that for me was also a piece is like, you know what, no, I want actually to be soft because I wanna be pliant, I wanna be flexible, I wanna be able to bend, I wanna be able to be like water, right? And so, but I also wanna be like a tree, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, I can be those things if I don't harden myself. And so that was an intention too, right? To like, again, move away from what we've been taught and what we hear as a mantra about ourselves constantly. And so those are just three examples, I think, of just how intentionality has shown up in my life, but that it, but it's a dance, right? It's like a constant showing up to this invitation. Like it's a constant showing up and answering, okay, yes. Oh yeah, here's a moment where I'm being challenged to go this way and I need to go this way because that's actually aligned with the truth of who I am. Yeah. I think that is so on time. You know, perspective is amazing. And as a mother, oftentimes we, our blueprint is what we saw, what we learned. And I had this conversation with my other girlfriends all the time about thankful for our mothers, right. For bringing us and birthing us and raising us. But in some instances, times have changed a a ton, even since we were children, since they were children, right? And we look at just because it's always been done one way doesn't mean it has to be done, Mm -hmm. you know, which I really wanted to talk to you about that with the current climate, because mothering right now in the middle of a pandemic, both uh, COVID-19 and then a racial pandemic is exhausting to say the least, right? Um, But our children deserve nurturing through this because this is their, this is their foundation. This is their life too. And there will be stories from their perspective and healing needed from their perspective. So I'd love it if you could share some advice or even some practices that you've implemented um, to kind of navigate this as a black woman yeah. from this perspective and the weight of the world. Like I'm weird. Like I, for the first time in my life, I say I'm weary. Yeah. I've never felt that before. I've been tired. I've been yeah. annoyed, but I am weary. Yeah. Um, and we need to talk about it and we need to know that we're not alone. Yeah. As black women. And how can we deal with these? How do we where can we go to talk? You know, I'd love to know about that. First of all, I just love that you acknowledge that because I think that we're actually in a time where there is this acknowledgement, right? Like that we are saying it in spaces where we were not uh, invited. We are saying it in spaces that we're excluded from, you know, um, we are also, people are also now listening in a way where, um, that I think is kind of weird. It's almost like this, uh, this peak holding into our, uh, discomfort. Um, and, but what I would say is a few things. I mean, my son's 16, about to be 17. And one of the things that I remember very clearly early on, he and his dad, um, his dad and I spoke about was, um, he was like, well, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, like discipline? And, um, and he was like 30 or no, like 33. 
you know? And so he was fairly young. Um, and I mean, I was young too, but I mean, he was like fairly young to be sort of having this worldview on how he wanted to parent. And he said, well, how do you, how do you see yourself like doing this? And I was like, well, you know, I was spanked. You know, I said, I don't really know any other way. I mean, that's what I, my mom, she spanked us, <laughs> you know, I turned out okay. And, and I saw it like, yeah, we, we turned out okay. But then he was like, well, I don't want to do that. And I was like, okay, well, how do we raise a kid without like touching them? Right. And I wasn't against it, but I was like, I've never done it. I mean, we were raised that way and we raised him this way and he's never been spanked. And, um, and I'm, I feel good about that because as an adult at this age, you know, being 40 and thinking about what we actually experienced as kids was trauma. And it was not, I mean, we, we all kind of laugh when we see the memes and the videos of like the black parent playbook of like, right. you know, like the things <laughs> yeah. that they say. And it's like, dang, we're all like, who get, did you all just get like a little tip sheet of like the stuff that you're going to say to us? Right. And, um, and so we laugh when we hear this, but it's not funny because they were doing their best, but what was happening as they were doing their best was that they were under existential stress, racial stress, economic stress, chronic stress, mm -hmm. okay? And, and then on top of it, raising kids with little resources. Um, and even if they had resources, they didn't have the emotional resources, right? right. To, to do what was, what was required of them. And so I think that, you know, I look back on that and I just, I feel thankful, you know, for what my mom was able to achieve with us. But I also feel like, you know, I had to process through my fear of my mother, right? Because mm -hmm. her, like the respect is really more fear, right? That I have. Yeah. So I had to process that that was really like, you know, I needed to heal from that experience. Right. And, and knowing that like she did her best and all of our parents have done their best, but that um, it didn't come without us being wounded along the way. And so that's one piece. I think that if, if we can change a legacy, that's one area that we collectively need to, to change, I think is it, it doesn't make us better. I mean, like, it, I mean, I'm fine. It didn't make me better. I think I probably would have been pretty much the same um, had I not been spanked, <laughs> you know? And I was also getting spanked for shit that nobody gets spanked for. You know what I mean? Like that kids, like other kids, I'm like, <laughs> they over here doing the most and their parents aren't even punishing them. Right. I'm over here. Okay. So, um, so I think that that would be one area. And then, you know, for me, like in this time, you know, in the pandemic and, you know, with a 16 year old who obviously wants to expand his wings, who wants to like have agency, who wants to be in the world, who wants to be self-expressed. Um, it's challenging because he's six, four, you know, and while I see him as a boy, you know, and a young man, um, he has been adultified since he was in sixth grade. Right. And, you know, he has all this hair, it's like a fro and, and, um, and so he would be in school and he would be identified. Oh, he was dangerously running through the halls. I'm like, dangerously running. I'm like, interesting adjective, right? I'm like, so, yeah. so, so, so yeah. dangerous. I'm like, okay, so who else was dangerously running? He was just running, you know? And, and how do you run dangerously through the halls, right? 
Like um, it, it's just interesting, right. the choice of words and, and the types of emails that we would get that I still have right, that would describe him in this way that was villainizing him at, starting at sixth grade. And, and then I see now, you know, him being out in the world and me wanting to be with him as he's out in the world and knowing that that's not healthy to be keeping him from living a life right? Like I have to let him be free and move around. And so we'll do some things together. We take walks together. We do a lot in the home. And I do have to say that the quarantine period has been so fruitful emotionally for me because it's meant that I know where he is 24 hours a day, right? Like 24 and seven. Ooh. I have, I slept oh well, actually, yeah. before all of this happened with all the, the, um, the uprising, you know, due to racial injustice before all of that, you know, I was sleeping soundly in quarantine because my, I knew where my son was. And I was actually like happy in a way that they weren't going back outside because I could be with him. He's going to college in a year and I just like ch mm -hmm. cherish the time. And so I would say like really relish this time, but I also feel like it's sad to be a black woman and be thinking about the context of this moment. Um, th that is my silver lining, right? Like uh, I, I just was so thankful, but I also feel like it's, it's, it's deeply, um, it's deeply saddening that that's, that's what's bringing us peace is that the world has to be shut down for our children to be safe. You know? Um, I mean, mm. nobody should have to think like that. Nobody should have to, you know, feel anxious if they don't hear back from their child immediately. You know, nobody should have to assume that, you know, their, their son walking to the corner store means that they need an escort, you know, or that, you know, if your child is going someplace to even demonstrate that they want to be a part of the movement for Black lives and, and social justice, that, that they could come in harm's way just by exercising their political um, right. And so, um, that I think is really like, you know, what, what's sad, but also at the same time, I feel hopeful that we are raising a next generation of, of leaders. Um, I do feel hopeful that a lot of what's happening in terms of the education and, and the people who are committing themselves to, um, you know, leading the charge, and the folks who are ready to listen and, and to walk alongside and behind us um, who are non-Black, um, they need to show up. Like, this is a time to show up. Like, I saw something that said, this is a cookout. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, don't pick up no plate. No, go, go grab that broom. Go grab the charcoal. Like, right. like go put yourself to yeah. work. Roll your sleeves, put yeah. yourself to work, right? This is, this is the work. And so, um, you know, Black women are tired. Like you said, we're weary we are emotionally exhausted. And how I know is because we are sleeping and we are not rested when we wake up. We are not oh, rested. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. We are in quarantine and we are sleeping and we are not rested. So what that means is the, rest, the lack of restful sleep means that there's other things that are going on that are activating our nervous system when we're supposed to be at rest. So it means that, right. you know, we feel like we're in a state of emergency. We feel like our, we're under attack. We feel like we're not safe. Because if we felt safe, guess what? We would wake up, your body would feel restored. 
So, so there's not enough, there's not enough practice in the world. You know, I feel like this is the moment, like we've, we've actually cultivated all these practices to get through this moment. And what I will say about this moment and self-care is that it is, it is our birthright. It is, it is our stuff, by the way, like all of these practices are ours. So when we don't do them because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I went to that class and there was only white people in there and or whatever it is that we kind of like, no, don't let that be the reason because you felt excluded. Don't now exclude yourself from a practice. Don't let that, don't allow that stuff to be taken away from you, right? Because, you know, you had a bad experience, like stay in the work, right? Because these are tools that are going to keep us alive. And Amen. I think that that's what we have to remember. These are our tools and these are tools that we need for survival. You know, the self-care practices um, that, that are celebrated today and that have been popularized, uh, co-opted, you know, I mean, we were doing these things back in the day, you know, the Black Panther Party had the survival uh, programs that they started where they had acupuncture, they had meditation, they had yoga all to the community, available to the community. Right. So, so this is not new to us. Um, and, and we have to remember that just because people decide to infiltrate or, or step into or overtake something does not mean that we don't, that we no longer belong. Right. We have to just continue to, to be steadfast because we are actually the people who need these practices more than the people you see on the magazine covers, you know, bendy and flexible, amazing. But guess what? We actually need these practices for ourselves to thrive. We need them. Right. Well said. Those are, and I, and I agree with you. I think this is an excellent time to to begin some practicing, um, to begin to actively seek stillness. Um, yes. This is an opportunity that we will not have again. We pray uh, in our, our lifetime. So this is a time for us to move as one. You and I mm-hmm. kind of touched on in the beginning about how meditation has awakened so much within everyone. And I, I cannot piggyback on that uh, uh, anymore. I think you said it so well from the parenting perspective on down to the seeking stillness and seeking answers for yourself and not being intimidated. As Black people, we should be used to our culture and things that we love being taken mainstream and not necessarily be included in that mainstream journey. Uh, so this is nothing new, right? This is nothing new. Let's just own that people. Like we, we can't fix everything, but what we can do is continue like Latham and I are doing right now and saying, sisters, this is working for me. This has been working for me. I've been meditating actively for seven years and I am a different person because of it. I already prayed. I already had a connection with God. That wasn't new. It was the actively seeking answers, the actively seeking stillness that opened and turned on a different part of my brain that helped me create the daughter that I have and create practices. She knows what meditation is. She knows how to self-soothe how to, you know, these are things that I didn't have tools with at five years old. So changing history starts with us and recognizing that the power we have is what's within our reach. Um, And I love that. And Latham, my goodness, Mm -hmm. you know, sister, I mean, you know, I don't use that term loosely because I'm not that, I'm not that chick. I'm going to say that, but I feel a connection because Mm -hmm. I know that this movement that we are part of, this stillness, that we are rallying for 
is, is that we're only on the tip. Like we literally are just getting started and because we have to go back and, and finish what the Black Panther started. You know, we have to go back and, and reconnect. So I know that just as, just as elevated as I feel right now, I want everybody else to feel that. So please mm. tell them where they can follow you and how they can support you. Thank you so much. Um, well, at Glow Maven on Instagram, it's just G L O W M A V E N, and then um, at Mama Glow, we have all of the stuff around pregnancy, birth, and all that. And then MamaGlow.com. If you're thinking about birth work, if you need a doula, if you want to become a doula, if you want to sponsor and support a doula, you can go there as well. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I would just say. Yeah, love. I mean, I just think about your five-year-old and what a blessing to have these tools. Like what a blessing to be able to know that you are your power source at five, you know, like, so just, I have to commend you for, um, you know, instilling these practices that are going to carry her through her life because you're right. So many of us don't know um, and don't have access and um, and the time is now. It is it's a, a super pivotal time for us to um, to be seeking the 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 access point to go within. And and one thing I would also want to add um, about this is like if you're thinking, well, I can't. I don't know where to start. Like you know, this this seems challenging. Like this is a great time to also activate your um, your sister circle and accountability partners. And so if there is someone else who will say, okay, yeah, let's do a five minute practice every morning. Let's do, and just so slowly start. And, and to not think about it, like clearing your head so much as it's like focusing on one thing. And so I, I often think about like um, the ocean and how that can just be, you know, like that's a place that I find as beautiful and, and brings me joy. And so I think about myself like approaching the water and then just the feeling of the sensation of the sand beneath my feet, right? And then getting to the shoreline and then feeling the water as it comes and tickles my feet and the coolness of the water and the breeze, a little bit of the ocean spray coming off, right? The, the water and, and just what it feels like to stand there. And then just focusing on that because guess what? When you're at the beach, so many things are happening. There's kids running around. There's a kite flying. There's a frisbee and a dog, and you know, and maybe somebody's selling you know water, a bottle of water, and then over there they got a hot dog stand. There's all this stuff going on, but what you're doing is focusing just on how that water is hitting your toes and then receding back and then coming back and touching your toes. That's all, and so that's the invitation: is not to like clear your mind, not to like forget everything, not to empty out because that seems daunting and impossible. But as those things come in, as you start to think about the Frisbee and the whatever else is going on and the volleyball net, right? You remind yourself like, I'm right here. Wow. Feel the water, right? Look at the waves. And you just remind yourself to come back. And so, and that's all we're asking you to do is, is to be in the presence so if that is the dishes, be with washing the dishes. Don't be trying to do 10 things. Mm-hmm. Unitask instead of multitask, right? And, and so that's how you can use meditation in each moment. So even if you say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about this. I don't know if I really get it yet. Start thinking about just the intentionality of showing up to those moments and how you can simplify how you approach each of those moments. So I'm just here with the soap and the rag and the water right? And the pot, right? Or I'm just here with the laundry. 
I'm just here with this book and my child. I'm just here on this walk. I'm just here in the grass, like whatever that is. And so, so that's what we're asking for. Not, not to turn you overnight into somebody who can like levitate, but (laughs) we know you can. Right. But 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 what we're really asking is, is that like, we know that you're, there's so much sitting on your hearts, right? And we know there's so much that you're hearing and, and that you're listening to that's not even your own thoughts. And so we would like for you to consider that when you start to um, slow down and just focus on one thing, that a lot of those thoughts, a lot of that chatter, a lot of that noise actually falls away. And once underneath, it, that's so beautiful, you can finally hear. And so when Amira talks about, you know, just the, the answers, that is what she's talking about. Because when all of that falls, here comes the answers. And so step into the answer, right? Like lean, lean into that. I, I feel like it was a, a lifetime ago. Well, again, that was quite by chance. So I got out of high school and was looking for a job. And I ended up in working as an assistant in the commodities department for a brokerage firm. And I was really fortunate to be working for a group of people. There was just three of them, but they really took the time to teach me. And so I learned all about various trading strategies, arbitrage. I learned to chart, all those kinds of things. And, you know, this was during a time where, well, let's just say it was a little bit more difficult to be a minority than it is now and a woman and young. And so I decided I wanted to get licensed. And uh, the manager of my office said to me, you are out of your league. You don't belong here. You're competing with people who have money and power and prestige, and you'll never get anywhere. Uh, You've been hired because of affirmative action. And so I promptly gave him my two week notice and I went and found another job. And the coolest thing about it is that the clients that I had been working with actually called the new brokerage firm on my behalf. Yes, yes, that's, that's beautiful. Let us step into those answers and Latham, keep doing great work. Um, keep, keep being that voice. You know, um, I say this a lot because there are certain, and, and as a Black woman, I know you will understand this, there are certain... Mm-hmm there's a certain segment of black women that for some reason, white women gravitate to us and they mm. feel safe with us. Mm-hmm. And you are in that, that group, you know, as, along with me. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I commend you because I know that it's a tightrope um, when it comes to making, answering questions, mm. making cultural references available, but being a, being the usher to help them walk across the bridge. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that we are saviors by any stretch of the means, but mm-hmm. we are definitely doing what it was, what our calling, you know, we're, we're answering the call and thank y'all for your patience. As you understand that we are here to help us all sing Kumbaya when we're ready, we're not ready, but when mm-hmm. we are ready, that's right. <laughs> we will be there with the hymnals open to page 16. Hey, yeah. honey. <laughs> Break out the hymn on the page 16. Yes, yes. So thank Get you. Get your singing voice ready. <laughs> la, la, la. Like, 
<laughs> but no, thank you. Thank you for sharing, for being here, for giving, and for helping us brunch and slay. And I want y'all, as you listen, to remember, you know, especially right now, that if she can, I can, we all can. We can. Yes. yes. I love that. I don't know if I mentioned one thing, um, which is there are in um, Own Your Glow, there are a bunch of exercises, reflections, and meditations that people can, you know, like step into and get started. So, yes. so also check that out, which, um, which is available on paperback and is very journal friendly and beach friendly. Yes. yes. <laughs> get your copy. It's excellent. I can vouch for it. Um, you're going to love it. So until next time, y'all keep brunching and playing. Hey, hey. My family, me and my family are incredibly close. Um, I have, I'm the oldest of three. Um, so it's me and I have two younger sisters. We're all back to back. Um, and we are, like I said, incredibly close. My parents are absolutely amazing. They've managed me my entire career. Um, we'll continue to do so going forward. Um, but yeah, it's us and we're very tight knit. My family's always been really, really great about like sacrifice. You know, even my first year on Lion King, um, I was 17 at the time. I was still finishing my senior year of high school. So my entire first year of high school, my um, my entire first year of tour, my dad came on tour with me um, and my mom stayed at home with my sisters. And it was just such a huge sacrifice. And it was very tough for our family, but it just made me feel so grateful because I'm sure, you know, there's so many people in this world that, are going for a passion or a dream. And it's just, it's already ridiculously hard. It's 10 times harder when you don't have a support group. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm truly, truly blessed.